0: by the Canadian Federation of the Blind.
1: Outlook. A show about accessibility, advocacy, and equality. I'm Brian. And I'm Carrie.
0: And we're two siblings who happen to be blind. Outlook. On Radio Western.
1: Hello, good morning. Welcome to Outlook. How are you today, Brian? Are we on air?
0: I think so. I just... Was uh, my mic on? (laughs) Yep, you are on. Okay.
1: Welcome, everybody. Uh, Happy Monday to everybody. Reading week uh, last week. And so everybody's filing back to school, I assume, at Western. You're listening to Outlook on Radio Western this morning. And uh, yeah, we're back live in the studio.
0: Indeed, yeah, it's been a couple of weeks. Last week we did have a new episode, but it was recorded from home because it was family day so the studio was closed. So thanks again to Ben Fulton for joining us last week, lawyer based out of Minnesota, Ontario. Mississauga, yeah. Mississauga. Did I say that word a little strangely there? Minnesauga. (laughs) Minnesauga. Yeah, so Mississauga, Ontario, which for anyone who might be listening who's not in Ontario, Canada or doesn't know, it's very close to Toronto, Ontario. And uh, Ben is a lawyer, been on our show, that was the third time. He uh, also happens to be blind, which a lot of the guests on Outlook are, and uh, always great to get an update from Ben, right, Gary, even though some of the issues are tough that he's working with, but yet there was a positive uh, solution last week that he, that he talked about from one of, the, um, one of the situations he was involved in, and he's in the midst of another one now, so...
1: Yeah, he comes and gives us updates. He's been doing. He's been coming on our show. Well, not in 2021, but since right before COVID, he's been on a few times, uh, letting us know some of the cases he's working on and some of the incidents he's experienced uh, in finding student housing and, and got with his guide dog. And uh, I just I like to point out again too that um, well, you can find him at benlaw.ca if you want to reach him. Uh, but I, he told us on the show, which I think he said last time too, that just to let everybody know that he isn't the only blind lawyer in Canada, and so there's a whole organization uh, called the Canadian Associ- Association of Blind and Visually Impaired uh, Lawyers, which is actually Cabville, which I like. <laughs> so yeah, there's there's more than just him, uh, but representation matters, as we always talk about on the show.
0: Yeah, and again, it always comes back to the fact that Canada is, is such a big country, and the fact that we... Are trying to work more and more to connect as a, as a community, a disability community, blindness community, whatever it may be, uh, in all these areas. And I think a lot of times we just aren't aware of what's out there because the the networking and connecting hasn't been as good as it could be here in Canada. So, And I think this this Association for Blind Lawyers in Canada kind of, he said it was inactive for quite a while. Mm-hmm. So I think, again, it just comes down to people keeping this up. And a lot of this stuff, people are volunteering to, to kind of get involved in. And a lot of times we get focused on our own lives and while we wanna all work together to give, you know, each other tips as a community and stuff, the, the fact is we all do live such different lives and sometimes it's get, easy to get so wrapped up in your own situation you you don't get the chance to kinda join these volunteer type organizations or, or make yourself known to other people who are in a similar position. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: like other blind uh, radio hosts across Canada.
1: Sure. They're out there. There's probably
0: some we don't even know about. There's a there's a few that uh, we've we've uh heard of since starting this show, but uh yeah.
1: Yeah, so that was last week, and uh, this is the final episode of Outlook for February, the short short month, and uh, this is another mixed bag episode. We did one just the week before Ben, but uh, we didn't get through everything we wanted to talk about last time, and so I thought, you know, we already got some stuff scheduled for March, which I might, um, you know, share a bit about by the end of the show, let you know what's coming up next month. Yeah, some
0: more audio description talk next week.
1: Right, yeah, and as I say, we like to have people doing that work on as often as we can because most people don't know much about it, and so it's important to me to educate, and it's some of the work I do is in those areas, and it's fascinating. And uh, yeah, we'll talk more about that for sure.
0: Yeah, but I thought uh, it was a good idea to do another mixed bag here to round out February, because like you said, we always, you know, we started off Outlook in the beginning with mainly just the two of us. We had a couple guests here and there, but more so in studio, and then the rest of the time it was just us. So it's, uh, you know, sometimes we have so many guests that we don't get enough chance to really share different things that we've uh, come across, you know, in between the last guests and everything. So it's it's good to have these episodes to catch up, and uh, I think we have a lot to, to get into today, but uh, yeah, good uh, always good to be back live in studio here, rounding out February on the second last day of the month.
1: Mm-hmm. So I thought that the first half we would talk a bit about, uh, well, I was going to share a bit about what I've been reading lately, and... Uh, how it ties into some of the work I'm doing. Last last mixed bag, I introduced my new website, K-consulting. kconsulting.ca. And uh, sort of ties into some stuff in the news, but also. It, so, February, of course, everybody knows is Black History well, Month.
0: I, 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 I just want to quick interrupt. Sorry not, not to interrupt on a oh, very I'm important topic, but I just want to mention that your website, Consulting is kayconsulting.ca. So, if people should go check it out. We, we did talk about it. Um, okay a couple of weeks ago, but you just sort of brushed over it there, which...
1: Well, I you know me, I I always feel weird about self-promoting, well, but what, what what's the point of having a website way. if I'm yeah. not going to tell people No, I know about what
0: you it. mean. But yeah, I just thought if you, if you just say K-Consulting, people might just type the letter K, but it's K-A-Y-Consulting.ca, and we introduced it a couple of weeks ago on the Mixed Bag Show that we did, and uh, yeah, congrats again, Carrie, for having that up, and I don't know if you want to give people just a quick summary again of what it is before you get into the... I mean, I don't know what ties into the topics you want to talk about in the first half, so...
1: Well, How yeah, gonna go I was gonna that, just going to give real life examples to sort of explain I guess what people can go to
0: the website to find out too, but...
1: Well, yeah, please do check it out. Uh, I already had, I uh, just recent, last week, I had a, a call, a consulting call with uh, someone doing research at Tr- Toronto Metropolitan University on DEI, diver, um, diversity, equity, inclusion, which is basically what the site is all about. Uh, you can find, um, obviously, links to this show on the website, Uh, Because that's part of the work I'm doing and that that we're doing. Uh, But yeah, I already had a call with her, and she's doing this person's doing some excellent research on and that in public relations. And uh, so yeah, we uh, we actually might have something. That we're doing at Toronto Metropolitan University in a, in a couple months, and so maybe I'll get a chance to.
0: Yeah, it's meet something them, we've.
1: Maybe they'll stop by.
0: We've we've hinted at a little bit on the show that we had something kind of in the works, and it was some. The beginning of it was kind of supposed to happen last year, but then we both got COVID. <laughs> um, but I think there yeah. should be more to come on this, so we're keeping it very vague at the moment. So you'll have to kind of stay tuned. to Outlook in the coming weeks to to learn more about this because we're still kind of learning about it ourselves, as we haven't been to this event yet, and it's all kind of new. But it's exciting what might come from this show. So something to, to yeah, look forward to.
1: Definitely we will talk about it before before May yeah. when we Now it's
0: very cryptic people are like oh well, we yeah. what
1: Well it's an installation we've come up with a multi-sensory installation and uh, yeah we'll get to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh but yeah so the work I'm doing is sensitivity reading which not everybody's heard that term There's, you can also call it authenticity reading or consulting. Uh, and it, it it gets to the heart of what, I guess what they call is part of the culture wars, which I don't like to feed into all of that too much, but everybody will know. Uh, that
0: term war always coming exactly.
1: up. Exactly. I I'm, i don't like wars. Um, but uh, it's in the news, you know, with this whole hubbub of Roald Dahl books and uh, the publisher Puffin Books in the UK put out a statement a couple weeks ago saying that they were putting out new versions of Roald Dahl books uh, it's kind of so. You you read James and the Giant Peach, right? Have you read other Roald doll doll books? Yeah,
0: back in the day, uh, I did. I think main. Well, maybe I had. I think I had it in braille too. I actually read a uh, roll doll um, auto. I think it was an autobiography at one oh, point yeah, too. I remember
1: that? Did you read anything about him being anti-Semitic in that?
0: I don't know if it came up in that. I did. <laughs> I have heard yeah. things since.
1: Yeah. I
0: read that book like a long time. Yeah, ti- like, I
1: don't know if it was. Must
0: have uh, been twenty years ago. I think I actually heard that there about. were two. I think there might have been two autobiographies of his, and I think I just read the first one. It went talked about him in school and Childhood, yeah. back, back in those days, you know, a lot of abuse. I, I remember it talked about getting, I think it was caned quite a bit at schools
1: mm-hmm.
0: back in those days and stuff. But I think it was more about his earlier life, whereas I think there might have been another a, a sequel to that about his later mm-hmm. life that I don't think I read. I'm pretty sure I, there was a second one. But anyway, um, so yeah, I know a bit about him, but not,
1: not that much. I but- don't either. I mean, I had my teachers read us some of his books in school when I was in like fourth grade. But I I haven't really read them on my own, and I you know it's one of those things where back in the day they I I don't know if it was talked about if he had anti-Semitic leanings. It's the kind of thing that's coming out more and more these days. And yeah,
0: back when in the '90s when we kind of grew up and went to school, these things still weren't really. Talked about that much so before social media, before a lot of a lot of it was a different time in in some ways that but things people just have said even yeah.
1: Doctor Seuss books have some some stuff in there, and so you know you kind of got to think these were different times, but yet that's that, to me that's not really well an excuse
0: to them. yeah. I mean I'm I'll, I'll let you kind of lead this. I shouldn't jump in too much, but <laughs> it, it's a tricky area to be going in because it's 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 the um, it, it's the balance of of the fact that you know you can still teach this material but yeah it's i don't know it's a i don't even quite know what i'm saying here
1: so like in his <laughs> books they're they are cloud the cloud men i think they were and it, it, this new version wants to update it to being cloud people so for gender it's more inclusive uh, i think was his name augustus gloop i think his name is in charlie and the chocolate factory when when they you know they called him fat and now they're and there's a debate in certain communities some people t- to take that word and use it as an empowering thing and other people don't like it. So again, I'm not here today saying that any of this is right or wrong necessarily, but it's it blew up in the news obviously and it it upsets people. If you have a lot of personal ties to him and his books from your childhood, if you read the books to your children, people feel like it's we're branching into this whole banning of a book type situation. And uh, I think they finally, with some pressure, say they're going to have both versions available. Uh, but we do progress in life, and so you have to consider this, right? And so, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it exactly, but I, I just I thought it, it comes up because the work I do on my website, Sensitivity Reading, I'm, I'm working on a project right now. I won't go too much into it while it's wrapping up. Uh, but it's, uh, it's a, a writer has written a series of short stories about a magical world and a magical school, fantasy stuff, and there's a character in that who has one eye um, is magical and I guess the, the character lost the sight in it and now it's magical. And so they just you can have a sensitivity reader, somebody who is blind who has that lived experience a little bit, uh, who can read the, the book and give you suggestions if there are things that you're getting, you know really wrong about blindness, just so you're not putting out continuing to put out incorrect information that, perpetuates these misconceptions just so we can do better. But um, you know, we're not going to force every writer to do this. Well, it's. Uh,
0: and the difference, I think this we came up this came up when we weren't on air about your the sensitivity reading you do or yeah. authenticity reading in some ways, I think it is almost a better term. just in the sense that I think sensitivity, like you say, Brings up such a debate these well, days with so many sensitive. people. Whereas I think authenticity is a bit a little less um, yeah, specific. I f- like I, I think people it too. I don't, the
1: other one just took 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 hold. Right.
0: That's kind of the one that's taken um, but I think the thing that I realize the difference being, and again, not you know not to make this a, a debate really or no. to really take sides specifically in this case, but um, I think the difference being, and I don't know, maybe if if a publisher were to reach out to you and say this book from forty years ago, we're doing a we want to do a rework of it and mm-hmm. make it more a- authentic you know maybe i'm i'm assuming you might take that job but the the difference being currently the the offers that you've had are new books that are coming out that mm. an author's just written that wants your opinion on you're not necessarily going back in history and changing no. stuff that's already been put out there no. um and you know i think i, I can kind of see both sides of it i get how you know i get how people don't want things to be t- changed that already happened or rewritten to to tell something different from what ex- actually existed but but the difference is, I think, you know, it depends how well it's being sort of explained when it is taught. If we're, yeah. if a teacher's reading a book from the past, if you don't talk about these topics that come up in it, then you're not really still addressing the, the problems there. So it's 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 a balance, and again, I also think it's...
1: You'd think that me, with my new website, as a sensitivity, uh, authenticity reader, consultant, that I might be like, yeah, new versions, the old ones, get rid of them, but I, I, I'm not on that side of it. I do believe that we can't get rid of what's already there and it has a history and and yes i believe both versions should be available and we should use this as a jumping off point to have these discussions because that's that's what's that's what's needed you don't have to all agree but you have to have to have a civil conversation about it and maybe you'll grow from it and change your mind on something and maybe you won't but you know
0: yeah i mean for me personally i just think it's kind of like what we've i've thought before is just the fact that I just, I don't think it's that big of a deal in the sense that these other versions are still out there. It also always comes down to who's making these decisions. You know, if if an author still happens to be alive or something and they choose to make that decision, that to me is definitely totally different. Or if a publisher does it, I don't know kind of how they get the say to go ahead and do that. So it's it's sort of a whole discussion. I think the
1: publisher consulted with some organizations in the UK who who are um, advocating for DEI, and you know consult would, would consult with them, and that's just what came up. And so yeah, for
0: DEI, you might want to just define that for our listeners, because that was another one that I I read, I and it's like I should know what this meant, this stood for, but I didn't.
1: I already said it a minute ago: diversity, equity, inclusion. I think you said equality, but I know right. this whole thing: equity, equality. I know. Yeah, it's- <laughs> anyway, it's always that
0: balance, right? How we we
1: well. This show is all about talking about this stuff, but we don't have all the answers here. We're just having a discussion. Well, the
0: it. thing with us too, I mean. Some people might think this is good, other people don't. I'm sort of conflicted with it is that I'm often down the middle with most things where I think in the case and a lot of things in the in the world, they are sort of the middle ground. There's not really a one way or the other because every situation is so different. But yet sometimes it is difficult to not always take a side and always be in the middle of of things. and uh, it's a, it's a I don't know, it's a tricky.
1: Anyway, um, yeah, <laughs> so that's just an example. I didn't want to spend the whole show talking Sorry. about doll. Um But it does tie back to what I was saying about in, in February, Black History Month. Uh, I, I just happened to take this feminist horror writing class a couple weeks ago. And one of the books on the syllabus was Beloved uh, by Toni Morrison. And I'd never read Toni Morrison before. I'd I'd heard about her and her books and I heard an interview with her on uh, I think Writers and Company at one point. Um, But this, I'm just going to read here the dedication to the book Beloved. Uh, The dedication is 60 million and and more referring to uh, Africans and their descendants who died as a result of the Atlantic slave trade. And so that... It encompasses the U.S. We all know the history of slavery there and enslaved people, but also Canada and the U.K. and everywhere, right? The colonizers and 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 everybody who benefited from the the work that enslaved people were were forced to do to build up countries and to pick cotton and all the things and, and, and all the money made and uh, all the trade around the world. And even though the UK banned it first and things, they were still benefiting from from in the US in the 1800s, you know, when they were having them pick cotton and selling the cotton around the world. And then that led to the civil war in the US. But uh, Toni Morrison's book is beloved and it's, I didn't know anything about it. It's a, it's a ghost story. It's about a woman who runs away from the plantation where she's a slave and becomes free uh, but there are scars obviously from that and the book full of flashbacks to her time on the plantation and some of the brutality she suffered and, and what happens when she gets away with her children and uh, I don't want to maybe necessarily spoil it for people if you haven't read it but I recommend you, you do it's a classic and it's it's a beautiful book and it just happened to be on the syllabus uh, this month so I read that and and uh, yeah, so I just, um, I wanted to talk about, specifically, I'm planning on writing a book, and I hate to talk about them too much while they're in such early stages, but I don't know how much I've talked about on the show, bro, about my artificial eye, my prosthetic eye.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's something that's it's definitely come up, but yeah. uh, with so many topics that we talk about, it, again, I think probably hasn't maybe been talked about enough, so there's always room to talk about
1: it. Yeah, so I want to write a book about my left eye is a prosthetic eye, and I got it when I was... Twelve, um, uh, and it's been kind of complicated for me over the years. Uh, but it ties back to Black History Month and and, and Black people specifically. Um, so there's a quote here. It says, "Those who commit the murders write. Uh, they write the reports, right? So that's what you said about roll dollars. Right? Who's who's the one making these decisions? So that's a quote by Ida B. Wells. Um, and I didn't think about it as much, but as I'm thinking about what I want to write about, I'm not going to write about black people's experiences because that's not my experience, but when I'm thinking about broadening out from my own story and writing about prosthetic eyes in general, uh, I started doing some research about how a lot of times the violence perpetrated against black people and people of color, color, um, they would be beaten and things, and and often they would be beaten on the in the face and in the head, and often they would end up losing an eye. Um, so, the NAACP um, had this report out in uh, nineteen forty six, and so that you know, I don't know if you know NAACP, but it's National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, and this was started years ago. I think, like you said, even Helen Keller was a member and. Um, But Walter Francis White, who brought the story of World War II veteran Isaac Woodward, blinded by a police officer after talking back to a bus driver. Um, And so at the time, the president, Truman, he, you know, he, I don't know all he did for black rights or if he obviously at the time didn't do enough. It wasn't until the 60s that some more of that stuff happened, but... Um, he convened the President's Committee on Civil Rights and its members to find ways to use the federal government to strengthen the civil rights of racial and religious minorities in the country uh, because this was happening too much, too often and people were losing eyes and going blind in one eye or, or both eyes. And uh, so he said, uh, when a mayor and city um, marshal can take a sergeant off the bus of South Carolina and beat him up and put his eye out and nothing is done about it by the state authorities. Something is radically wrong with the system. And so obviously this was almost 100 years ago but uh, I just thought it was important to talk about because it, it, I can relate in a way you know what it's like to <laughs> there's a lot of things that go into that when one of your eyes is artificial and there's a lot of stigma and that's why I want to write the book but I just thought with reading Beloved and uh, talking about this stuff, uh, I'm reading another book by this civil rights uh, activist from the 60s, um, Fannie Lou Hamer. And uh, it's the same thing, I, I'm reading her um, a book written about her and it's the same thing. She was beaten up and they damaged her one eye. She almost lost it. So this was going on. Well, it's
0: interesting, again, this is just sort of, I'm sort of getting off topic slightly, but not not really. Like, we talk a lot about their plant eyes and Leona Godan's book on this show, The Personal and Cultural History of Blindness, and mm-hmm. there is a lot of, you know, throughout history, there's a lot of gouging out the eyes and, and yeah. all this this, this connection you know. with that. Um, and the fact that, yeah, like, for me, being born blind and, and, we were both born blind, but for me, never having the same issues that you did to where I never had to have an eye removed, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, I can't quite relate on this experience like you can, and it is, you know, I guess we both had kidney transplants, which isn't quite the same thing, but it's it's still something else where we have something in our body that you know wasn't there originally. But when it's an artificial eye or artificial, I think it's interesting too when you you've done been doing some of this research and I've been seeing some of your posts online and stuff how you you talked about you know reading about other artificial like artificial legs, you know, bre- yeah, um, I people really- have breast cancer and have you know, have to get stuff done mastectomy, for that. yeah. Like,
1: I've never really, I've never really thought, um, I had that much, I, I never thought about it before, but. It's interesting,
0: yeah, that ha- it's, it's uh-huh. like, it's like we talk about with disability where it's also different, like, just because somebody, somebody's blind, somebody's deaf, we all have different disabilities, but yet, you know, we all have certain things in common, and I think, that whole experience of having something, you know, replaced on your body or having something, yeah. you know, an artificial, whatever it is, there is a similarity there. And that is an interesting area that mo- I never really thought about either.
1: There's emotion there and it, it it affects you. And I, I've, I've been joining, I don't know why I didn't think to do this earlier, but I've been joining some uh, Facebook groups about these things. And so I'm in one specifically about prosthetic eyes, but I'm also in one that's a more broader discussion about artificial limbs of all kinds and the different issues people face with that and and some other self-image issues from that and how society views it and then some of the medical stuff that I wouldn't, that stuff that I don't have to deal with with my eye, people who have, you know, have a artificial leg might have to deal with.
0: Right. Yeah. So it's like still a different uh, situation in in a lot of ways, but yet there is that similarity of feeling like something's like going through that loss of like, you know, I can't, I can't imagine having something removed and like yeah. you said, it happened when you were pretty young then, so it's 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 so long ago. But yet, it has that effect, obviously, still to this day. And
1: yeah, but it does tie back, like I said, to um, Black History Month and some of those stories I've been reading. Also, just with uh, Russia and Ukraine and war these days, I thought a lot about people over the years in wars have lost eyes for, you know, being in different battles and different explosions. And and so it's the same thing. People lose an eye in those situations as well. And, uh, you know, that would come with the whole set of trauma that I didn't have, uh, but
0: But it comes down to the same thing. Yeah, well, your own set of trauma that that led to that.
1: Yeah. So that's my plan for a book. And uh, again, you talk about it and if it doesn't come true, then people are like, oh, she's the she's crying wolf about books but well
0: I'm sure you'll write a, I'm sure you'll write it eventually
1: yeah Um. so yeah the book I, I'm talking about is Until I Am Free the Fannie Lou Hamer Enduring Message to America and it's by Keisha N. Blaine so
0: well good good on you for, for getting you know reading up on on this stuff and, and reading some historical books there and and uh, you know, tying things into Black History Month as it is, you know, rounding out here in, <sighs> yeah. a, in a couple of days. But obviously, this is something that we should always be talking about. And well,
1: yeah, I just I brought it up today on our final mixed sure, bag of you know. February. But it was just I read all about um, Hamer and her grandmother had been enslaved and had twenty three children, uh, and twenty of them were from a um, result of rapes. Uh, Fannie Lou Hamer. Um, her mother or father wasn't through through that, but still there was a lot of brutalization, obviously on, on this. So Beloved is a lot about pl- these plantations and how awful they were. And then all the trauma that, that exists after that generational trauma, right? Intergenerational. where The same thing we talk about with indigenous peoples, uh, you know, First Nations, Métis, Inuit uh, peoples. There's there's trauma that travels down when these, these things happen in families over generations. And... Um, it's that same thing. You know, I'm not, again, it's not going to get into too much, but it also in the news was, was, um, did you hear about that? The Julie, Julia Black, who sang the National Anthem yeah, at yeah. a sp- Sporting Event and changed some of the words of all Canada and freaked everybody right. out. Right. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's all about censorship or should we change things once they're what they are and, um... But, yeah, so that's some of the stuff I'm up to, and I've been reading a lot of books lately. Uh, I read Handmaid's Tale for this course as well. and
0: I read that in...
1: Did you read that one? I knew in you, high school, I knew I you think. read her, but I didn't know if it was that one. Yeah,
0: in high school. I think it was required in our high school class.
1: Well, we're going to get to some audio recording in the second half of the show today, but it's funny. I, I ended up choosing to listen to the audiobook version of that, and it was the updated one, uh, they, a new release that came out re- kind of recently. And it was so cool because they each chapter... Um, so the narrator was Blair da- uh, Claire Dane. Sorry, I'm reading Blaine, this woman's name. Claire <laughs> Dane. She's an actress, and uh, she narr- she reads the book. And so she's obviously the narrator, the character. And uh, the beginning, beginning of each chapter starts with her putting in a, t- a tape, an old cassette tape in a, in a tape deck, and f- a few seconds of some rock song. Sometimes it's a classical song. Sometimes it's rock. And it's nothing you recognize but you, you almost feel like I know. I should know that song anyway it's kind of eerie the way each chapter starts with it she, she puts in the tape you know that clicking sound of an old tape deck mm-hmm. and the tape <laughs> the, the hairs inside the tape and then a few seconds of a song and then it cuts off and then each chapter would read would begin so it was kind of kind of haunting that book um, so yeah I've been reading that and I'm also <laughs> I think it ties into another book Gone with the Wind that I read years ago it's the same thing. Like, should we be reading that book? It was written in the 30s when times were different, but there was racism and the language in the book. Some people, if if you're African-American or if you're a person of color, you, that book will affect you differently.
0: Right, and again, I think it, it really does come back to the fact that, sure, in in a if everything went, you know, pretty much how we wanted it to, you know, we could still, you know, people might still read these books for school or whatever it is Mm -hmm. but real discussions would start happening the problem is are these discussions really happening or are these books just still being read and these topics are you know we'll admit first to admit that they are hard things still to talk about for a Mm -hmm. lot of people so you know I get why people don't but the problem is if you don't if you don't really talk about whether this is you know what was you know not acceptable, but what was sort of tolerated more back then than now, or what, yeah. you know, how times have changed. If you aren't really examining that discussion enough, then people aren't really learning and they're just reading the same stuff over and over. And it's also that balance of it's good, it's good to be aware of the his- historical books, but trying to replace certain things with with newer things in a curriculum. And, yeah. you know, I think it ties in. I won't, I won't go too much into this because it could be a whole other discussion, but this book slash that became a movie, Blindness, yeah. that we'd heard. Um, is still oh. be, is being taught in certain schools today. We'll and talk a
1: lot about that with this installation we right. mentioned earlier um, on the show. And this book,
0: you know, uh, it shows a lot of misconceptions of blindness out there. It's not really, you know, changing these these stereotypes, no. and it's sort of, you know, exact like you know. Emphasizing them even more in the
1: world, so yeah, that's all people read. And if you read Gone with the Wind, and you're white, you're gonna have a different experience. But I think it also has valuable lessons about war in it. That war is not glamorous, it's not cool, and it's about the Civil War and how war. It's just not worth it. And and it is a tricky thing. And they were doing. They were the South was doing it to hold on to slaves and. Like that was ridiculous.
0: The, it's tough because people have to make these decisions for a school board, and mm-hmm. you know, I get that. No matter what it is, there's, there's going to be often someone that might be have some effect with it. But yet, it's it's based on how much, how many opinions can you get on this? Is this? It, it, I just think it's okay to examine: is this worth teaching or not? Instead of right. always just being like, "Oh, it's history. It's, we it's, can't a,
1: it's classic. We have to say
0: anything about it." Yeah. It's, So it's like most things, I think it is important to kind of be down the middle in in a lot of these areas, because nothing is really generally black and white in this world. It's usually right down the middle, so. But what do you say, Kara? I think maybe we should go out to break. In our second half, we'll be talking about something that- Travel. I think most people find exciting, yeah, travel. So got some exciting things coming up in the second half of Outlook, and we will be right back with more of today's episode right after this. Look on Radio Western So you were listening to a travel moment in the background there. Oh, I don't have your mic on. Sorry to care. You're on now?
1: Uh, I don't know. Yes, you
0: are. <laughs> well, you should hear yourself in your headphones if you are. All
1: right. Sorry, I'm in, I'm in Iceland right
0: now. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're both in Iceland. But I'm playing this clip in the background because, uh, oh, some <laughs> trumpet. Turn that up for one more sec. So that is a waterfall in Iceland. I'll get into a bit more details about that in a minute. My friend uh, Kevin and I traveled there in 2017. We'd both turned 30 and thought it'd be nice to get away. And, uh, you know, I'd never been to Iceland before. Neither of us had. So bringing this up today, though, because Carrie found this great article from the BBC called Why We Should Record Travel Moments. This is an article by Jennifer... Stavros came out, uh, put out uh, on the 10th of this month.
1: Yeah, my birthday.
0: Yes, on Carrie's birthday. (laughs) And uh, let's read a bit about this article. Uh, I'll just read the first little bit. Um, Jennifer Stavros goes on to say that travelers often talk about seeing the world, but it's time we learn to listen to it too. On a rainy summer day, I took a train to the Swiss city of St. Maurice and trekked through the squelching mud to a medieval fortress perched high atop a cliff. After descending into a dark cavern and twisting through its dimly lit corridors, I finally arrived at the main viewpoint of the Grotte aux Fées, which is Cave of the Fairies, a plunging 77 meter waterfall that shoots from an underground limestone ledge into a translucent pool. As this splatter echoed through the cavern and drenched my jacket, I closed my eyes and took out my phone to record the rush of dreamy reality before me. I had come in search of a sound, not a sight. Oh, everyone's Ooh. applauding after the trumpet.
1: Well, how often do you hear a trumpet at a waterfall?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, so it was kind of an interesting. We were on a tour in Iceland that day, and uh, right when we got out at this final stop, I think it was the final stop of the bus tour, our tour guide mentioned something about, there's a surprise coming up at this stop. And we're just like, oh, okay. <laughs> so we were just kind of all stopping, looking, everyone was looking and listening to this waterfall. And then uh, <laughs> the trumpet just started, came, came out of nowhere. And his name was Opie, which is what we, thought, we thought was kind of a cool name. Um, and he was playing that trumpet over the waterfall. As you can tell, the waterfall's left the clip now. Now it's just us walking <laughs> through Iceland. Um, but yeah, I thought this is a really neat article you found, Carrie, because it, and it's just interesting that it tied into waterfall there that uh, the the author was mentioning that they'd come across in in Switzerland i believe mm-hmm. S- Swiss city of Saint Maurice they came across this this waterfall and then realized you know that I, in our case a lot of it was the fact that we're blind but this author Carrie that wrote this article isn't blind and no. they also commented on how they have started recording more and more audio when they travel and it does give you a different a different perspective than a photo and it's something that, you know, I've done since I was a kid, not being able to see. For me, it was like pictures were never any good. So I would record back in the days with a tape recorder and then more recently back as, as that- Voice ice, memos. That Iceland clip, you know, was from uh, on my iPhone. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's something that you don't always think about as, as much. And,
1: um, well, yeah, everybody's always sharing their photos from when they travel and Facebook and social media and- Occasionally someone will share a video, which I love. I have a friend who lives in Mexico and she sometimes shares if she's out at a, a restaurant and there's some mariachi music or she's by the ocean. And uh, the one uh, the one audible description in this article is the chirping bird song and rush of wind whistling through the redwoods in Marin, California. And I just love that one because that's one of my favorite sounds, the sound of wind through the trees. But, you know, travel sounds can be very specific depending on where you are or they can be more general. And you, this waterfall could be anywhere and waterfalls are always peaceful sounds. Right. The
0: fact the fact that I know it's from Iceland is, you know, I know yeah. that. But okay. at the same point, it's still a nice sound. And um, it's, it's interesting, Carrie, that you mentioned video because that, yeah. that gives people both. You get the right, photo exactly. and the audio. Um, And it also happened in this case, the video helped out because it turns out my friend, Kevin, who was there with me, I just recorded a voice memo, audio memo. I I don't get up on, keep up on videos as as much, even though for for people who are sighted, they can be even better than just audio. But, But anyway, it turns out my friend, Kevin had a video of this because I was like, damn, I should have named the file because I didn't know which waterfall this was that I'd recorded. I just knew it was a waterfall, and I'd recorded a few when we were there because we, we, we stopped at quite a few different ones. There's lots of waterfalls in, in Iceland. <laughs> um, yeah. So I didn't remember so I just texted him this morning, and of course, it turns out he actually did take a video, so he was able to, through the video, see see a sign that that gave the name of this waterfall, so that helped, so I was able to pull, um, pull that together, so the sound that you heard in there was Faxifos waterfall, located on the Golden Circle east of Reykjavik. And uh, Faxifos is a, I read this online, that it's a beautiful waterfall on the Golden Circle route. It is not as big as Gullfoss, which is another waterfall. I believe we did see the much bigger one. But the nice thing is that you can get really close to the falls. The waterfall is about 10 feet high, and it's quite a straight wall of water for about 50 feet.
1: And could you feel spray or anything on your face at that? Obviously, wouldn't come through with the sound, but uh.
0: I think so. Again, I can't specifically remember for this one. I do remember when I hear that that recording and then the trumpet coming, in, I do remember standing out there outside, kind of in the cool air. We we were there in September, so it was it was you know wasn't cold, but it wasn't warm either. It was kind of in that sort of fall air as we'd experience here in Canada, but this was Iceland. but yeah, I think there probably was. And I, you know, just hearing that recording it does bring me back to that moment. And that's sometimes mm-hmm. what having these recordings captures of a, of a, an experience they can sort of bring back.
1: Well, yeah, in the you. article it says according to Dr. James Gio, Dan- Gio- Giordano, <laughs> a professor of Um, neurobiology and biochemistry at Georgetown University Medical Center and that's in Washington DC our brains process information and turn it into memories by receiving it through our senses obviously, encoding it and storing it, much like a computer and when we receive information and encode it it is fairly short term in nature, but when we store it it becomes long term and it's this term, have you heard of this term before? Um, echo
0: echoic, echoic memory echoic
1: memory it's hard to say yeah. I just read it with the screen reader on my phone at the time and I was like oh never heard of this but uh, echoic memory and so that's for sure for us specifically when you're blind you don't have all the visual stimulation in memory storage so uh, but for me it's different than you because I used to have more sight so my mind still can sort of refer back to visual memories I used to have. and uh, But audio is is a great way. I, I wonder just if it makes people uncomfortable. It's I don't know why it's any different than... I mean, I think there's this thing now with travel where back in the day you might snap a bunch of pictures of a bunch of well, local people and nowadays it's like you have to be more sensitive to the local population. It's the same thing. People don't always want to be on camera. It's the same. I think people worry, oh my God, are you recording me right well now? Well, again, I think like a lot
0: of it comes down spy. to this is maybe a bit of a different angle, but it is that balance of recording stuff or taking photos or audio or whatever it is versus being in the yeah, moment. Yeah, you're
1: not focusing maybe. And
0: not so constantly. Much. And I, when I was in Iceland, I don't really have that many clips. No,
1: you weren't because, recording everything.
0: Because I was there to enjoy the trip. And I think and that can sort of take you out of the moment. So I, I don't think it's any different personally. I agree with you. I think it's a bit different when it's a conversation and it's people if you're not getting their... their you know, approval before recording them, that's something yeah. different. Whereas you're just recording a sound of a sound. waterfall and there's muffled voices in the background. You can't really tell what they're saying anyway. I think that that is a little different, yeah. um, in, in that sense. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting thing to, to think about that, you know, you are recording people. So you kind of, you have to be aware of that, but
1: yeah. So, but yeah, for sure. If you're just recording sound, it's, it's no big deal,
0: but it is, it's one of these things that you know, we've I've talked about before on this show, and I mentioned it earlier today as well about growing up. I don't do it as much. Being a bit older, part of its maturity. Like back, we say, you know, you, it's good to get people's permission if you are recording them. But yet, when I was a kid, I did do a lot of recording, and I think a lot of times I'll have memories of things, and I probably wouldn't remember them as well if I didn't have that recorded. So it does give you that experience and sort of brings that back. And uh, you know, in the moment, sometimes your mind is wandering, you're not always taking everything in either. So to have that. That um, captured moment on on record on a recording gives you that opportunity to revisit it and and uh, yeah, it's just something that you know everyone could think about. That and you know people I think now with phones are more likely to take a video which has audio in it. But
1: well, this one memory in the article or this one sound memory in the article maybe really I've always wanted to go to Hawaii, but this makes me want to go even more. So Amy Purumba, the professor who so there's a study in this article that she quoted, um, conducted University of Iowa study. In one, in one ear and out the other. I like that name. Um, so, went to Hawaii and to uh, Big the Big Island, and there are black volcanic beaches there and black volcanic rock beaches. They have a really particular sound. They make this kind of tinkling glass sound when the waves hit them. And so, I, <laughs> I was like, I got to hear this. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's so cool. You can find really unique sounds when you're traveling or very more generic just waterfall sounds but either way it transports me back to another time so it's it's always great and uh, I've just been thinking about travel a lot lately and I came across this article that came out on my birthday and uh, I thought we would feature it on the show because um, we have a particular tie to this but anybody can can record their memories and it will bring it back to you in a different way.
0: Yeah, and I mean, we'll share this entire article in the, in the notes because it's always that balance on the air. We want to have a yeah. discussion. We don't want to sit here and read, read, read. No, I
1: was going to talk about how I'm considering traveling again. <laughs> and so that's why it's in, on my mind right now. But I just wanted to
0: read one more quick thing from this article, and then we'll get a little bit more into travel here. Um, this, the study from the University of Ottawa, or Iowa, Ottawa of Iowa, um, that, that comes up in this article, the study seems to suggest that if we take a picture of something during our travels and record the sound of the same thing the image will appear more familiar to us when we look back at it on our phones while the sound will seem fresher and in a way newer or more striking so you know in a way it has more of an effect because it's and they also talk a lot about in the, they talk about in this article how this a sound a picture is just a what is it dimensional two dimensional one dimensional
1: yeah but it's it- it's, they're both fine. We're not advocating no, no. one over the other. But I'm just
0: saying that a sound, they were pointing out that it gives you a 360 degree, you know, you can hear behind you, in front of you, all around you when you're, when you're,
1: yeah, what's that new recording Recording binaural?
0: Yeah, I wouldn't say it's new, but yeah, binaural recording. Well, I just recordings. mean like it's
1: becoming bigger and it's, you immerse yourself in it if you put headphones on, you can feel like you're back there and images might do the same, but yeah, in the article, there's a lot of, there's a bunch of, work that some studies done to stuff to sort of say, show the difference in how the brain processes the memory and, but for yeah. us, obviously we don't have the visual side of it, but, uh, they can do different things for different people.
0: Well, yeah. The other part here says, I, like, you know, they, it does through the studies in this article that people, you know, photos, people take in easier than sound for, for remembering stuff. And, um, they because say you here. You can do
1: that in a second. Like it, it's just. Well, it's yeah, it takes more
0: almost. focus to, to really keep in on listening to somebody talk on and on. And, you know, yep. people often assume, oh, you're blind, you're, you're great at that. But I struggle sometimes with that where my mind wanders a lot <laughs> when I am listening to somebody talking. So it's, it's something you do have to focus on in that, in that yeah. way. And that's why in a it lot of ways, energy, yeah. I like reading the fact that I am able to read Braille because that does use a different sense. But, you know, they, just the one sentence here, since our sound memories are bad, it's perhaps more important to record sounds than taking photos. So that we can truly recall the experience. Yeah. So it, it is one of these things that I just think it's, it's worth looking at more. And again, I think it ties back again to the fact that we all have five senses, but, v- you know, the visual seems to be number one for in most cases for most people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I get it. I'm not at all trying to <laughs> deny that. You know, I'm sure if I could see, I would. I would use that sense quite a bit as well. but I just think sometimes we do overlook these other senses and this is this is a great article article that you you found. And-
1: well, I reached out to this writer because we're in some writing groups and stuff and uh, I shared the article that I did with uh, Expedia in 2018. Uh, they were exploring travel through the other senses. And so uh, they did a, a piece with me kind of interview style, but I, I wrote my answers and submitted them. And uh, just ex- explaining what sounds and smells and tastes and textures uh, remind me of my travels over the years. Cause I have been lucky in my life to travel quite a bit. And as I say, I'm considering doing more now that COVID's sort of receding, uh, but it's, uh, so yeah, it ties into that, but uh, I don't know. Are you considering traveling? <laughs> Are you hesitant?
0: Yeah, so I guess the whole travel thing, yeah, you know, we talked about that article and then you, you know, went I was in Iceland back in 2017. But yeah, now kind of coming into the the current times. I know we've both been examining the idea of traveling mm-hmm. now that the pandemic is not necessarily over but things have definitely eased off yeah more in the background and things are opened up and, and people are traveling more and I did just get uh, another COVID shot a couple weeks ago as I do have a compromised immune system and you know I really don't want to get yeah, it you again. had
1: no reaction from that one either right you've never really had no I've
0: never really had reactions okay. from the shots
1: yeah no um, for us it, we have there's there's considerations but uh, I know you you the idea sounds great but I, I know there's some nerves. well again
0: it's like traveling in general and I think this is a this is a good discussion on our program is you know traveling is a is a whole process and as simple as I'll try to keep this brief but a few nights ago I went out to a to a show again here in town and I talked a couple weeks ago in the mixed bag how I went to that show at aeolian hall you know and you t- walked
1: t- right into the elevator right
0: took the bus by myself there and ended up in the elevator when I got inside somehow I missed the stairs which I probably should have taken for my exercise but anyway somehow I ended up in the <laughs> elevator and it still got me to where I needed to be exactly but um yeah I think it comes back to the fact that getting a bit older and I love traveling when I'm doing it, but it's getting out of the house and getting that motivation to do it. The older you get, you do get more set in your ways. And I think also it's a personality thing with me. I'm pretty introverted, um, generally speaking. And I think the pandemic kind of fed into that to where, oh, we can't go anywhere. Okay. (laughs) And then I just won't. And now trying to kind of adjust back into the reality of the world that I do want to go somewhere. But that kind of, I think that kind of set me back a bit even more than I maybe already was to a degree. Um, But it is just, we talk about how, of course, it's more important. And I think in, in a lot of ways, as our guest, John Ray, rest in peace, who was on the show last year, pointed out that he thinks it's more important for us to travel than anyone really because of, you know, that you do sort of can be a little bit more isolated sometimes. And so I think it's important, but it is, when you can't see, you do have to prepare a bit more to do it. And so this show the other night, I was supposed to go with a friend um, who was actually driving up from where you, near where you live, near Woodstock there. Um, but then it turned out he got sick, so the day of, he said he couldn't go. And when you're blind, you can go places yourself, just like anyone else, but it, it is a little bit harder when you don't have someone with you, and that can be for any, even someone who's sighted, Karen. Well, it's
1: the whole discussion about... A lot of people think you should go to a movie by yourself you should go out to eat by yourself sometimes it's a good experience to travel by yourself but many people don't want to do it you want to share certain things with people and and yes and then when you're blind it is nice to have that person there for the unexpected things that come up because otherwise it can be extra there can be some extra stress there
0: but yet you also don't want to feel like you're a a burden or you're you're, you need to depend on that person because technically you don't like i've i've you know, I traveled out to BC by myself. You've traveled to Mexico by yourself. Yeah. We don't need people to be with when we travel. We can... Yeah,
1: we don't need a minder or something. We
0: can travel independently. It's just like anything in life. It's the same as when you're when you're out with somebody. Sometimes they'll, like, ask, would you like to grab an arm? And it depends on my mood. Sometimes I'll say yes because sometimes it is just faster in the moment and I do enough traveling on my own where I don't have an arm to grab onto that it's convenient. Whereas other times, you know, you, I feel like if I am grabbing someone's arm, I'm showing the public that I need to be on someone's arm. Yeah. Again, tying back to that, it's never one way or the other. There's always like a, de- sort of down the middle.
1: No, and we're, I mean, it sucks to always be worried that you're gonna show the world something about blindness that you don't want, you don't want to reinforce something so you can't get help ever. That's, it's terrible. But how did this last one go for you then?
0: Yeah, so, I, I really wanted to go to this show because it was at Palisades Bowl here in London they've been doing a lot of free shows there lately some of them are paid and but. you've
1: lived in London for a while now and it's it's nice when there's a band who comes to town that you like because you have interest you know you have your own eclectic sense of of, of music and and what you like and so when there's a band in town that you actually yeah, like. yeah it doesn't
0: doesn't happen as much as I'd like unfortunately so when it does I mm-hmm. feel like I really want to go and support the artist yeah. um so so I really wanted to go even though I'm also easily convinced not to go and do something, and it's just as easy. Just it was getting a older. Night, I've been to, yeah. you know, over a hundred shows in my day when I lived in Toronto and stuff. So it's it's not like as novelty as it was when I was young. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of factors that go into it. But that day, I woke up at 5:30 that morning too, and it was like nine that night, and I just was like, oh, this feels like it's so long <laughs> from now. I wish it could just happen now. <laughs> the longer I'm sitting in my apartment, the less I'm going to want to go. Yeah. Um, but I really wanted to go, so it was a weird nightmare. The band that I really wanted to see um played this free show um, with a couple other bands, Ancient Shapes and Anxious Pleasers. Um, <laughs> so oh. it, it, was a, it was a really good show, and I really wanted to go. Um, and then I was like, yeah, I don't know anyone to go with, so I'll just have to go by myself. Then I did actually think of somebody to, to ask, and if they couldn't have went, I still would have really pushed myself and hopefully went. But it turned out uh, um, the guy, Alex, that I knew, uh, he was a drummer in the band I used to play in, Trusty Fox, here in town. And I reached out to him. He wasn't familiar with any of the bands, but uh, I think the fact that the show was free helped convince him as well.
1: Right, yeah. But he's
0: like, sure, why not? And then uh, he ended up loving it and thanked me for inviting him, but um, I did take an Uber there. I considered taking the bus, and I could have. It's pretty close. I looked it up on Google Maps. It's pretty close to Oxford in Adelaide, and I know how to get to the Oxford bus. It's about a six-minute walk from my place. So I could have done that, but then I would have had to find the place from that corner. It was late at night. It was cold. Was like I'm just trying to ease back into the world, right? Trying to get gradually get out again. So
1: everybody uses Uber; it's fine.
0: Exactly, but yet it does cost money, and you know, yeah, I know. If it's warmer out but the in the future, the show
1: is free, so you know, you I know it's
0: sort of I mean. balanced out, maybe. Um, so I took the Uber there, and uh, I didn't quite know. I, we've been there; we've both been there. I think just the one time we were there actually for a Radio Western Awards a few years back. I think it was in 2019 that we were at the Palisade, but I hadn't been there for a show. I hadn't been there in a long time. So I did ask the Uber driver to help me kind of find the door, because it turned out, mm-hmm. when you got out, it was in a parking lot there, so you kind of had to go around the building a bit. So he kind of did walk me to the door, and then I went inside, and the and the, the person at the front you know, just kind of asked wh- what I was looking for, and I just said I was here for the music, and then he kind of said, oh, it just sort of wraps around. There's like a railing there, I guess, and I could have kind of figured it out, but then he said, do you want some help? Um, and then he did give me verbal directions to get inside there, and then once I was in, my friend Alex was right there, and he said hi. and. And there I was, so saw the show. It was great. Um, got some merch. So I met Alex from A Weird Nightmare. He seemed really nice. It was another one of those things too. Care where also tying into getting back out into the world. Yeah. Uh, I bought the merch, and I'd mentioned that I'd played them on my radio show. Again, some
1: nice
0: shameless self promotion. But you know, I like to mention it to bands when I actually well, get that's, to meet them. But,
1: but it's nice for them to hear that, right?
0: It's a. It's not just about me. It's no. about them in that in that case. Um, so you seemed really appreciative of that, of that. and then. My friend Alex, that was there. He's like, he just told me. And again, generally, I'm pretty good with this, but I think, you know, in the situation, this is something that you've dealt with. Care, um, a- Alex was like, he has his hand out if, to shake your hand oh, or whatever. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Um, so that's another whole discussion of about- That's
1: another thing about COVID. Yeah, I liked that. We, we just we weren't shaking hands for well, a couple of years, and I was like, good. I don't.
0: <laughs> and I always had a bit of a different opinion on that. To where?
1: No, I know it gives you information. Uh- it's funny enough. I was watching Ray, the movie the other night was on. It was had audio description, so it was about Ray Charles, right? The biopic with Jamie Fox, and it, he used to do that to find out about women, what they how if he thought they were attractive. And so there's there's cues you can you can get from a person. You can feel if their handshake is weak or firm. Well, I just
0: also I kind of found, and again I wasn't ne- I was never one of these people that's like oh. Screw safety. I want to sh- shake hands. Like I don't care that much. It's no, not. I know you don't. It's like a lot of these things where I'm kind of in the middle. It doesn't matter <laughs> that much one way, but yet I did. St- I do still kind of like that because not yeah. being able to see, I can't make contact with the eye contact with the guy. Right. Um, this is just another way where I feel like I could, you know, feel that sort of connection with him. And
1: yeah, it is tricky the eye contact issue. Um, I-, I found that more and more as I've lost more of my sight.
0: And generally, I was all right with the hand thing where. if I was talking to someone, I would just often naturally put my hand out assuming that that's maybe what they would want and then if they don't shake it, whatever. (laughs) Um, But I just wasn't thinking at this time. So I'm I'm glad my friend did let me know. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was a fun night. But again, it kind of made me think again. It was like, I'm glad my friend could come with me and it was nice to see him. But it's like, I do need to get more practice again at getting out alone because I have gone to some shows here by myself. And it's also that balance if you're with someone it's harder to maybe meet people because you're already with someone. Whereas if you're by yourself, maybe more people will, will approach you and you can meet new people. Maybe not, but...
1: Yeah, you might have a different experience it's hard to say that you wouldn't have otherwise. One
0: way or the other, but... Needless to say, once I got home, I was really glad that I made it out. It felt so good to actually get out. So it's just that initial... And when you can see, you know, it's hard for any a lot of people with anxiety or whatever yep. issue it may be, but yet you can kind of just go for it a little easier than when you can't see. You do have to plan a bit. Um, and then, yeah, that... That sort of translates to a wider idea of of flying somewhere or going on a bigger trip, which I think both of us are considering here this year. And
1: yeah, I mean, like we have friends in 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 Ireland, we're England. We were considering maybe going there to start, and so it helps if you have know people in in the place you're going. But even even but, then, but even then,
0: it's tricky if you can if you can see you know someone, you can go stay with them, but you still feel like a little more independent, like you can still go off. Whereas yeah. you know. Obviously, I would. I still would plan to do that. If I go there to see my friends, I'm still willing to get my own hotel for a couple nights, and I can I can take Ubers or or cabs or whatever it may be there, and you know I can still find my own way around. But it's it's trying to get better at that balance so that.
1: Well, anybody who visits family or friends or acquaintances when they travel, you, you worry that you're going to be you're going to overstay your welcome or something. Uh, so it's a balance, and so there's just an extra layer of that with disability sometimes, but. Uh,
0: but that's why it is so important to have both. To have your independence. Independence is important, but yet we also all do depend on others for our experiences. And a lot of people wouldn't love traveling alone either. Some some might. Yeah. And uh, in our case, sometimes, you know, neither of us are, are married or have a partner right now. So there's different reasons why you wouldn't have someone to go with. And you can't always just be like, oh, I can't do anything ever because I don't have someone to go with. Eventually, you just have to go for it. So... I don't know. As far as this year, I'm not really sure yet. I.
1: Well, it comes down to, uh, like, we figure it's, what are the chances of getting COVID when you travel now compared to a year ago? And uh, this opportunity for me came up in Ireland, and I'm really tempted to go for it. Uh, and it would be a tour plus visiting friends and uh, an all-women tour. So it would be, again, I would be with new people. I'd be meeting new people, but yet I would feel safe enough that I'm in a group and uh, an all women group, so you kind of feel like everybody's together. They want a certain experience, and they want to feel safe when they do it. Right. Maybe a bunch of people have this, this this nervousness to get back out there, and this is how they're going to do it. And and so I, I might go for it, but I again, I have to make that decision, and I'm bad at making decisions.
0: Well, I've started out by going out to uh, you know the social pal said social bowl here in town as <laughs> getting. Well, out we're gonna
1: go to Toronto in May as
0: a start for for me for traveling, but yeah,
1: mm. I just I don't know, yeah. I don't know where to go in Woodstock there's no nothing I want to go to
0: <laughs> yeah I know it, it can be tricky and, and a lot of times in life you do just have to jump into things And yeah
1: I, you, I went to Mexico and I don't know how I got the nerve to do it but I, I wanted it bad enough and the opportunity came along and I went for it so
0: yeah so travel you know it's always an ongoing topic something we're always thinking about and it is important to get out there, and
1: and we're not getting getting to our, our, our <laughs>
0: no, of course, it's our is,
1: final topic. There's always
0: so much to talk about. So yeah. Paratransit, we'll have to wait. Um, it's been in the news, so maybe you've heard a bit about it, and of course, be great to talk about. But it'll still be relevant, like any of these things. Unfortunately, next month, yeah. they take so long to actually get dealt with. So mm-hmm. it's not like we're going to be much further along with this stuff in a yeah, month's we'll time. We'll probably
1: visit so. it at the next mixed bag.
0: Yeah, I got the notes here anyway. Still done now, so we'll be ready for next time. So all right, that does it, care.
1: Yeah, well, next week, as we say, uh, Rebecca Singh Audio Describer will be on and uh, uh, Superior Description Services, and so we'll talk to her about what she does and looking forward to that one.
0: Yeah, uh, more Audio Description talk next week and more to come up in March, so stay tuned to Outlook on Radio Western, and we'll be back next week. Send us an email. Outlook on Radio Western at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at OutlookCFB. And on Facebook, facebook.com slash Outlook on Radio Western.